Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, Dr. Santosh here, your friendly neighborhood pediatric infectious disease doctor and researcher. I see we've retired the interrupting doctor shtick. (laughs) That's not even retired. That's like a (laughs) one-off because I was like, oh, this this can get me in trouble with my homies pretty quickly. Welcome back, loyal listeners. Thank you for rejoining us for the next of our 12 Days of Christmas holiday series. I kind of, I, I like our series. You know, we did our antibiotic series, and now we're doing our, you know, like our 12 Days of Christmas. It keeps us actually coherent, whereas we're like normally insane and chaotic. Yeah, if you guys could see the actual behind-the-scenes production work that goes into making this podcast, well, <laughs> let's just say you're never going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that, Dr. Har- Dr. Josh found shame it's a christmas miracle (laughs) (laughs) at least i have all those lumps of coal to keep me warm through the winter oh no 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 i'm i'm sure you've been a good boy i'm sure santa's gonna get you a present (laughs) your stocking well santosh for this episode of the 12 days of christmas i thought it'd be fun to actually go over the medical conditions enumerated in the song the 12 days of christmas Oh, like five golden rings and everything. Yeah. Okay. Now, I found out that you were unaware of this the other day, but the 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas and carry into January. Yeah, that was um, that was very strange to me. I thought 
you know, it's kind of like that old advent calendar. I thought it was a countdown to Christmas. No, the, the Christmas season runs from Christmas Day until January 6th, which is known as Twelfth Night. And okay. yes, that is the same Twelfth Night uh, reference to Shakespeare. Shakespeare. That was a play performed on the last of the 12 days of Christmas as a comedy. And, you know, all ye old partiers would have a big blowout feast to wrap up all the celebratory season. And the religious significance uh, of the 12 days of Christmas is it marks the span between the birth of Christ and the coming of the Magi, the three wise men. Sure, sure. Uh, it's also known sometimes as Three Kings Day, as well as Twelfth Night. And I... Oh. Because they were all kings from the Orient land where my people were from. Your dude brought the frankincense. See, at least I know what that is. You know, it's incense. We, uh, you know, in Canada, it's Udbati. It's, you know, it's, yeah, that's, some, I know about incense, you know, but I, I'm still way lost on this myrrh situation. I have no idea. I'm still scared of myrrh. Get over myrrh. <laughs> Get myrrh. Come myrrh. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> that's the see. That's the the Monty Python gag I'd love to see. <laughs> I brought I brought him some myrrh. Oh my god! The third one. Some myrrh what? <laughs> I brought him some myrrh what? Myrrh. Well, I also there's a great joke. I also Virgin Mary. Absolutely. That's why three strangers, three strange dudes, showed up with gifts when she had a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Santosh, how well do you know the song The Twelve Days of Christmas? Oh, damn it. Um, you get a little past five golden rings. Uh, no one remembers anything besides five golden rings. Partridge in a pear tree, two calling birds? Nope. No, three calling birds. Nope. No, no, four calling birds, three <laughs> French hens, two turtle doves. Holy, there are so many birds. We're going to, yeah, there's a lot of birds, and we're going to talk about that in well, just a okay. moment. Can, can we do the countdown first? Is all right, all right, so let's start. Twelve drummers drumming. Eleven pipers piping. Ten lords a-leaping. Nine ladies dancing. Eight maids a-milking. Okay, so now we're in, like, the girl section kind of thing. Okay, now it's all birds. <laughs> Seven swans a-swimming. Six geese a-laying. Okay, five gold rings. Cool. Which actually are either golden ring-necked pheasants or gold finches, which were, in Old English, gold spinks, which could sound like gold rings. Oh, 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 still more birds. I, yeah, still I more birds. I was thinking, because, you know, the true love gave to me, I was thinking, okay, threw all these birds at this chick, and then he's just like, okay, okay, just please don't leave. Here's yeah. five gold rings. <laughs> listen, listen. There's good eating on all those birds back in the day. Oh, the, <laughs> I mean, well, the, the poor thing. Like the swans are just swimming, and the geese are trying to lay some eggs. And you're, you're yeah, just which you would eat the swans, and you'd eat the goose eggs, Aww. and you'd eat the pheasants. And then we get to four now, four yeah. calling birds. It used to be four collie, you know, like lassie collie. Oh uh, yeah, four yeah, collie birds and collie was a way to refer to blackbirds. So it's actually four blackbirds. Oh, okay. So collie birds are calling birds. And then mm -hmm. you, you go ahead, you do three. Three French hens, which are fat Thank ducks, you. because gotcha. the French would uh, fatten up their birds with foie gras. Oh, they'd, that they'd would over... be food down there. So a French hen is just a fat duck. <laughs> okay, 
Uh, turtle doves is really simple, right? This is the symbol of peace. We're not eating these birds. Two turtle yes. doves. Okay. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> and then um, does the partridge get left alone? Is is that cool? The partridge is fine. And okay. now there have been one of the urban legends that has been disproven time and time again is that these stood for secret coded messages for uh, Catholicism at a time when Catholicism was oppressed. Okay. And Catholicism has not been oppressed for a long time, you guys. <laughs> and also, it would probably not be the best idea to hide secret coded messages about Catholicism. You probably wouldn't need to do it given that it's a Christmas song. So if you're already celebrating Christmas, you're probably coasting along just fine. But first, what are medical conditions associated? So the first week, that whole first week of Christmas, nothing but birds. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a uh, shit ton of birds. Um, and I, I would not recommend cavorting with this many birds. You are going to get so many bird-related diseases, and let's talk about them. Okay, yeah. Santos, tell me about these bird-related diseases. Yeah. What, which which ones are the most likely that I could catch from a partridge, turtle doves, fat ducks, <laughs> blackbirds, goldfinches, geese, and swans? So to <laughs> so to tell you the truth, um, I uh, I'm I'm kind of being a bad ID or infectious disease doc because I know that if you have uh, a lot of birds in one spot, so for instance, um, if you're taking care of pigeons in a coop. Um, or if you are a zookeeper, um, these birds, smaller birds, uh, can transmit a form of, you're going to love this actually, it's, it's a form of chlamydia. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not the sexually transmitted chlamydia, but it's a, it's a cousin to the, so the it's not chlamydia. like the koala chlamydia. No, no uh, well, but the koala chlamydia is sexually <laughs> transmitted, uh, just, just among koalas. Uh, but this is uh, called chlamydia sitici or sitiki, depending on who you talk to. And this is also a species of chlamydia, but it lives in the, like the guano of the birds. And if you inhale it too much, uh, it gets into your lungs and it can cause a bad pneumonia. So um, yeah, yeah, uh, what are the others? So if you're in an abattoir, uh, and you're taking care of, you know, pigeons, they would get it. Uh, if you're a zookeeper, um, people who do those, uh, really sad, those illegal chicken fights, um, mm -hmm. or if you're a farm worker and you're working in a hen coop, uh, then you, you can be exposed to psittacosis if your animals uh, are sick from that disease. So I don't know if any of these specific birds carry psittacosis, but there are some birds that carry psittacosis. All right, all right. Then I guess we'll move on to one that you could get. Uh, now, I know we <laughs> talked about a partridge, but there is, yeah. in fact, a partridge pigeon native to Australia. A little bit different than the partridge, okay. but uh -huh. I bring it up because pigeons can carry uh, cryptococcus. Yes, they can. And cryptococcus, you know, cryptococcus used to be this thing that, okay, I was scared of it if... Um, you know, we had people who were uh, immune compromised. So this was an AIDS-related disease. And if, if you went around birds too much and you had a low CD4 count, you know, that specific type of white cell was too low, then, um, you know, you'd worry about getting, you know, cryptococcal 
meningitis actually josh so it would you'd inhale it right this is a little fungus and then it would get into your bloodstream via your lungs and then get into your cerebrospinal fluid and the scariest thing about this it would cause increased intracranial pressure so it would kind of squeeze your brain you know while it inflamed in there but believe it or not, Josh, in the Great Northeast Pacific, uh, oh, sorry, Great Northwest Pacific Northwest, there is a cryptococcus species called Gatii. And this one, you know, carried, you know, a lot by our little feathered friends. And this one can actually attack people even if they're not immune compromised. It's kind of a more aggressive cryptococcus. Send um, you right to the crypt. Yeah. It will. So, yeah, the, the, this is not one to be messed with. But unfortunately for some immunocompromised people, they can catch this and get sick from this, even if they don't have a ton of exposure. Yeah. Um, so there you go. There's your turtle doves and others. Now, technically, that's that's a fungus. And I believe so is the next is. one that we're talking about, which is histoplasmosis. Uh, which yeah. you can see with birds and bats. It's native in the U.S. to the Midwest, I believe, like the Ohio River Valley yeah. area. Well, uh, so that one is uh, blastomycosis. Ah. Um, but you have some overlap with histo as well. So these are the dimorphic fungi or endemic fungi. When it's cold outside, baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> um they turn into molds and they sporulate. But when you inhale them, um, they they turn into a yeast form. And so they're dimorphic, uh, depending on if they're warm or if they're cold. And all of them can cause pulmonary disease. They can get into your lungs um, and, and cause these big nodules of, of uh, disease in your lungs. Um, or if your you know if your immune system is low, they can get uh, into systemic circulation. They can also go to your brain. They can go to different parts of your body and cause big fungus balls to sit in there. Um, we have it's one of its uh, like a related fungus is out here, Josh, called coccidioides valley mm -hmm. fever. Um, but this one histoplasma, it's not only endemic, but you also find it amongst spelunkers which is one of my favorite words <laughs> splunk so if you go cave diving and you're exposed to bat guano histoplasma often likes to live in that bat guano so it's associated with bat uh, estuaries now well. one of the birds that is very associated with histoplasmosis are starlings and blackbirds and if you recall our four collie birds or four calling birds right. were in fact believed to be songbirds or blackbirds so by day four right you're yeah. already being exposed. I mean, if you didn't catch cryptococcus from the partridge in a pear tree, you now have to worry about histoplasmosis from the droppings <laughs> of your four calling birds. Yeah. And, you know, this is why I don't recommend going around a lot of these birds, you know, and if you have to take care of them nowadays, you know, farm workers, etc., should be given proper protection so you're not inhaling this stuff all the time. Exposure will result in pneumonia-like symptoms within one to three weeks, so fever, chest pains, a dry, non-productive cough, and again, people with weakened immune systems, the old, the young, like the very old, the very young, and people with diabetes or AIDS or immunocompromised are more susceptible. So we've got our four calling birds, histoplasmosis, 
are right. three French hens, which is E. coli because, you know, hens, chickens, or salmonella. <laughs> That's true. So uh, salmonella is commensal. You know, it hangs around the, uh, the birds a lot. But then, you know, if you treat the eggs poorly, um, you know, depending on, you know, whether or not you wash the eggs, if you wash them, you have to refrigerate them. If you don't wash them, you keep them at room temperature. Um, and if you treat them the wrong way, then they can overgrow that salmonella and then you ingest it and you're in trouble. And let's see. So we still have uh, five golden sphinxes or um, <laughs> as well as our six geese Elaine and our seven swans of swimming. And I feel like amongst the three of those, we're going to get to one of my favorite pun ready diseases, the mycobacterium okay. avian complex, or as I like to call uh -huh. it, tuberculosis. That's true. This is non-tuberculous mycobacteria. Um, some of the scarier stuff because, A, they're tough to culture. Um, they're, they're tough to treat because you need multiple drugs in order to kill them. Um, uh, yeah, the fact that it's like avium complex, it is found a lot with bird guano, but... The truth of the matter is, Josh, is this particular mycobacterium lives in the soil. Well, it lives in the soil and, and birds because affected birds can become depressed, thin, weak, might have diarrhea. So they look like they have bird tuberculosis right. or tuberculosis. <laughs> we really don't have to worry about it by and large. Um, you and me, Josh, uh, you know, we're probably just fine even we're, if we're exposed to a lot of it. Occasionally, small children, they can get like a big lymph node lymphadenitis like a singular lymph node that doesn't quite go down even when you treat it like for staph which is the most common form of lymphadenitis right there a big lump at the neck that won't go away um, and that can be from mycobacterium avium you know because they're close to the soil and they're inhaling this stuff all the time and uh, once again if you have hiv uh, if you have a transplant if you're immunosuppressed this is a opportunistic infection or an oi and so birds carry a lot of these OIs, you know, they're just dirty, uh, filthy little feathered animals. So you definitely uh, don't so, want to have all these, you know, seven days worth of bird. Can you imagine being given, like just being given seven birds sounds overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> you are being given progressively larger numbers of birds every day for a week. Yeah. So, you know, you're getting logarithmic me, <laughs> more birds every single day. And yeah, you got to either like pluck them, you know, kill them, cook them and, uh, and, and kind of preserve them. And then you have to preserve them properly so they don't give you salmonella or campylobacter in your tummy. Um, or, you know, maybe if you have like lots of acreage, you know, you can kind of set them out there and let them roam around where you have less of a chance of inhaling. A now, of one of my favorite interpretations of this 12 days of Christmas is, you know, is my true love gave to me, which implies that over the course of 12 feasting holidays, all these gifts are being exchanged. Yeah. And then you have aristocracy, you've got musicians, you have a lot of food related poultry. And the sure, implication sure. is that all of this is leading up to a wedding. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so like Twelfth Night is a good day. Right. To, so you've had this big uh, celebratory holiday season and you're killing off like all these birds and you know, you can feed people goose eggs <laughs> and you can have, I don't know, songbirds and you can have four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. Um 
And when the pie is open, they'll all begin to sing. And isn't that a dainty dish to set before a wedding feast? That's pretty good. And so this this works out because, you know, wintertime, you know, the rest of your livestock, it's harder to get a hold of. So like your sheep and your cows. Chickens stop laying eggs, so you have to use them for nog. Yeah. (laughs) So this is is a bad time to be going for like your red meats and stuff. So instead you, uh, you know, you, you find all these birds that are hanging out. Here's actually something I thought was very charming. Back in the 1800s, James Audubon wanted to get people um, to stop hunting all these rare birds uh, and other Aww, ones. So he said, instead of hunting birds, let's start counting them. And there is, to this day, an annual Christmas count sponsored by the Audubon Society that is largely... Um, voluntary and it's a whole bunch of people get together over the christmas season and conduct local bird censuses in their area identifying oh, by sight awesome. or sound yeah watching. and you don't even have it's not even a bird watch you could just find your local thing and you just kind of mark down and then send it into the audubon society and that helps them keep a rough census of bird populations in the area and that is a great way you can sit there and be like oh there's four calling birds five calling birds six calling birds and a delicious goose probably don't want to use the word delicious when talking to the Audubon Society. <laughs> you know, just... Semantics. <laughs> now, let's move on to our humans, because that's where we can start getting into some of the fun diseases as opposed to all the stuff you're catching. So let's say you've made it through the first week of Christmas with all these gifts from your true love and yeah. have somehow managed to avoid contracting any bird-related diseases. That's impressive enough in itself. Sure. But now we've reached the eight maids of milking. What disease do we have to worry about from milkmaids? Yeah, so um, milkmaids used to get, uh, would get uh, cowpox, which is a related virus to the smallpox virus. And interestingly, those milkmaids which would get, who would get um, cowpox on their palms um, would be uh, inoculated because their immune system got exposed to these cowpox this was one of the very first vaccines. And so when they encountered smallpox, they just fight it off and they'd have a mild disease. Now, even more interesting for those of you who like to follow beauty and fashion, how is this going to tie in? Smallpox was known to be a very disfiguring disease and it would leave your skin scarred and pocked in multiple places. Milkmaids were known even at the time, to have very clear, fair skin. And the rationale behind this is that they were catching cowpox, the milder form, so then they developed an immunity to smallpox and would not develop the scarring. Uh, And this may be a deep ancestor of why we use a lot of milk-related beauty products even today is because you still have those associations between fair-skinned milkmaids who contracted cowpox instead of smallpox. You didn't yeah, think I was going to be. That's really twice like now. That. You doubted me, and I tied it in. You tied it in beautifully. That was extraordinary. You guys, we're going to hit that Ebenezer Scrooge Christmas miracle where he. I'm just going to say something, and he's going to take it on faith. Oh, my God. You can't. Listen, this is not something where you can sit here and, like, soften me up and then be like, oh, by the way. It's the Josh of Christmas past. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The Josh of Christmas future comes in as like, oh, did did you know that whooping cough comes from whoopee cushions? 
it was like, oh my god, that totally makes sense. Just wait for it, folks. We've still got at least another ten days of Christmas to cover. I can't believe it. The Christmas Carol is supposed to be, you know, to break the icy heart of Ebenezer Scrooge and make him a good person. You're just using this as an opportunity to punk me. <laughs> but you don't. This is not April Fool's. Dr. I have Josh. not given you, you a single falsity or single falsehood yet. So you can avoid all the birds, hang out with the milkmaids, and possibly get cowpox and clear skin. Not a bad thing for our blushing bride in this 12 days. I wouldn't recommend it anymore given that smallpox has been eradicated. But if you want to hang out with some milkmaids, yeah, they're cool. They're fun. So let's move on to our nine ladies dancing. What disease can we watch for in them? Oh, so uh, we have a few. We're getting into some bad ones, by the way, right now, people, and I apologize. But we we have a few that I was thinking of. So dancing uh, in medical terminology, we have abnormal dance-like movement. movement is chorea. Mm, chorea. Uh, and that's... Uh, North or south? <laughs> no, no, no. It is C-H-O-R-E-A. Chorea, Which comes from chorea. the Greek chorus. So that big group of people who would move throughout a play. So this is, um, you know, this is abnormal dance-like movements. And so we have a few that we can actually talk about. One of them is genetic, and that's uh, Huntington's chorea, which is, you know, sadly, you know, very terminal. And you go into dance-like movements, and then you lose neurological control uh, until, you know, you just... It's probably going to be hard to find nine ladies all with Huntington's chorea in the same place. Well... They could be sisters. Um, it is autosomal dominant, um, and it shows anticipation. So it could be either multi-generational or single-generational uh, family. Um, the other thing that you could do, though, is you could all catch strep, group A strep, and get Sydenham's chorea. And uh, that one is a much, it's much nicer because, you know, given time and penicillin prophylaxis, it can go away. Um, so that one is a much okay. better. Um, yeah. So those are two types. There are many other diseases that can cause chorea and choreiform movement. But those are the well, ones that I think. I'm going to take us one step further, or perhaps a leap further, and combine our ten lords leaping mm-hmm. and our nine ladies dancing. And okay. we're going to talk about the dancing plague, kind of like the dancing queen, but affecting many more people. <laughs> yeah, the dancing queen was one person. This was like a whole group of people. And I think we've covered this We have. I do like these mass right hysteria up. type ones. Because it's like flash mobs, but in medieval times. <laughs> it was, except it was rather involuntary. Was it? Would cause a lot of was it involuntary? Than... <laughs> the world may never know. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we know. <laughs> so Dancing Mania, also known as Dancing Plague, yeah. Choria Mania, St. John's Dance, and the one that we've talked about it before is St. Vetus's Dance, primarily occurred in mainland oh, yeah. Europe and was really seen just between the 14th and 17th centuries. It affected men, women, and children okay. who, when they caught it, would dance until they collapsed from exhaustion. Now, this is the PG version. People who suffered from these dancing plagues were reported to be doing a lot more than exclusively dancing. There might have been a little bit of uh These lords may have been leaping onto multiple things. 
Um, but one of the earliest known incidents occurred sometime in the early 1020s in the city of Bernburg, where 18 peasants began singing and dancing around a church, disturbing a Christmas Eve service. Uh, one particularly notable outburg one particularly notable outbreak occurred in Strasbourg in 1518, and it began when a woman, Miss Trophia, started to just dance fervently in the street. That was it, just you know, dancing in the street, just like the song says, Miss Trophia Two, Electric Boogaloo, and she was danced. She danced somewhere between four and six days. Within a week. 34 others had joined in this spontaneous flash mob. Within a month, there were around 400 dancers, most female. About a quarter of these people would die from heart attack, stroke, or exhaustion. And one report even indicates that for a period, the plague was killing around 15 people per day. Physicians at the time said this was just, you know, caused by hot blood. So instead of prescribing bleeding, authorities encouraged more dancing. Because they believed the dancers could recover only if they danced oh. continuously night and day and basically just danced it out of their system. Or city officials oh wanted people God. to dance right out of their town and take this problem to the next town down. And, you know, you can make an argument for both, I suppose. But to increase the effect of, to increase the effectiveness of this cure, local authorities would even pay for musicians to keep the afflicted moving. You know, like 11 pipers piping or 12 drummers drumming. Uh, and one of these nice. dancing okay. plagues may have inspired the tale of the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Oh, oh, that's a good crossover. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So, of course, there are multiple theories as to what actually caused these dancing plagues, whether it was mass hysteria, whether it was ergo fungus, which is that same fungus we've talked about that might have led to the witch trials as it structurally is similar to LSD, whether there was a stress-induced psychosis sure. on a mass level, which, you know, this was the Middle Ages. This was not a happy time. Um it also could have just been people who were trying to carry out pagan rituals and because the church sort of frowned on these, they could say, oh, no, 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 we're not dancing as part of a, you know, winter solstice ritual. We're dancing because uh, illness. Yeah, look, I, I, I need a saint to help stop me. So as I said, we may never know the real reason behind these dancing plagues. And we don't really tend to see them all that much today. The closest we get in terms of mass hysteria plagues are plagues of laughing. That's pretty good, though. I mean, that's, you know, that nobody, uh, uh, I'm guessing, gets too hurt with plagues of laughing. Oh, we'll show you the fatalities some other time. Oh, <laughs> That's why we'll wait till later. Now, another fun one, just because we're already talking about Dancing Mania and St. Vitus's Dance, this didn't quite make it as far as Italy, which is surprising given, you know, tie into saints there but a similar phenomenon in italy was tarantism in which victims were said to have this irresistible urge to dance and fling their limbs about to be caused by being poisoned by a tarantula or scorpion now nowadays when people come in saying they think they have a spider bite we usually go straight to oh it's methicillin resistant staph aureus or MRSA. but back in the day Doctors would say, right. oh, you had a spider bite? Uh-oh, you don't feel like dancing, do you? Because that means you could have the deadly tarantism. 
and the earliest known outbreak was the 13th century. Sure. And this was oh okay. And this, uh, I mean, this there was a dance of Spanish origin, which was the only the known antidote. Believed the movements of the dance would separate the spider's venom from your blood, and that would cure you. Now, tarantism only occurred in the summer months, where Saint Vitus's dance could occur all year, but was seen more often around the winter months. Oh, and that makes perfect yeah. sense. So, uh, yeah. so there I you like go, that. guys. Let's let's run through yeah. it one more time. We have our 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10 lords a-leaping, and 9 ladies dancing, all with either St. Vetus's dance, sure. Tarantism, some kind of mass hysteria, or maybe they're just attending a wedding. Who are we to judge? <laughs> Or they've all come down with strep throat, and they've gotten rheumatic fever, and now they have... Uh, Next, you need to feed all these people, so you're going to want to have a bunch of nog on hand. Okay. Uh, so let's step over to where we get our milk and eggs from our maids of milking, and they have some lovely, beautiful, clear skin, and possibly are carrying uh, lighter anti-autoimmune versions of cow smallpox pox. or cowpox. Yeah. <laughs> Then you have uh -huh. days yeah. one through seven, where you have to watch out for your seven swans of swimming, six geese laying, five golden ring necked pheasants, uh, four blackbirds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree, which can give you cryptococcus, histoplasmosis, tuberculosis, or macavian complex, and psittacosis. Yep. That's a lot of diseases. Yep. That's just about everything. That's a lot of disease. So you're either, uh, you know, counting down psychoses and ending up with, you know, bird-borne infections. That's that's a pretty good way to uh, count down your days. Yeah. So I, I, I think we should probably leave off there. That's a good enough point to stop for our second of our 12 days of Christmas, where we have now managed to destroy a holiday carol that was not Baby It's Cold Outside. <laughs> I know a lot of people are going after that song, but yeah. It, and you know, Santos, just just for the sake of being obstinate, because I think I was one of I think I was the one who ruined "Baby It's Cold Outside" for you. For the love of yeah, I, I, you did, and I, I, I don't know if this is the right kind of time and era to be talking about this uh, particular song because it's well it's yes by today's standards that song is super rapey but put in the context of its time and this is not to defend this is merely to explain in the context of its time it was actually a sure. feminist anthem you have to remember back in the 1930s and 1940s even though we had passed the jazz age and the flapper age, women really could not go out unchaperoned. So you have a woman who has already put herself in a very compromising position. She is unchaperoned at a young man's house to whom she is attracted. Oh, yeah. so she's already... Yes, she would be considered the trampiest of tramps. Uh, now, the only... And you can tell she doesn't really want to leave, but her biggest concern is what everyone else is going to think. My maiden aunt's mind is vicious. My brother will be pacing the floor. Uh, my father will worry. The neighbors will start to talk. You know, people do tend to zero in on a couple very creepy lines, but they also ignore the fact that she's worried about all these other people. What are they going to think? You know, the neighbors might start to think at least there will be plenty implied. So... This woman's caught between, if I stay any longer, everyone's going to think I'm a slut, even if we don't do anything. 
and since they're already going to think that, how can I find an excuse to go ahead and stay and then I can come back? So by saying, oh, I'm, I'm drunk, I don't have any control, I'm just a helpless woman who is letting the alcohol make decisions for me. Now, we hear that in the 2018 world and go, uh, this sounds suspicious. But back then, but in the historical context, what she's saying is, I know I have to go. All of society's laws are telling me I have to go. But we all know alcohol lets you act on these decisions you might not make when you're uninhibited. So if what's in this drink, the joke being that the drink would have had almost no alcohol in it. He would have been serving her hot chocolate or tea or just a little tipple of something. So by saying... By drinking like a cup of hot cocoa and saying, what's in this drink? I must be drunk. I guess I'm going to have to stay and hang out for a little bit longer with you who I want to spend time with. So I'm going to go out now and say, as much as I love making fun of this song, it's actually a feminist anthem for the 1940s because this woman is taking agency, trying to come up with the excuse that will let her stay where she wants to be and be very proud and open about her sexuality, even though she cannot talk about it because women did not have those kind of thoughts in the 40s. Gotcha. So for the time, uh, kind of, you know, sexy, cute, and a woman, you know, so mostly focused on a young lady, you know, taking agency of her own uh, sensual and sexual desires, but put into modern context, super creepy and what the hell is that said on. still one of my favorite songs and I will continue ruining it for anyone and everyone just depends. I just have to figure out which story I'm going to tell them. Yeah, it depends on what viewpoint they're coming sure. from, so you know what to destroy. For, uh, How many songs have I that? ruined for you? What's what's the running count without even invoking Tay Tay? I I think four. Well, that's like that's four pretty good. Four so. songs I have just permanently ruined. I I can still, if I kind of you know hide in my own mind from you know everything you've said, I can still. <laughs> well, so. that's it for our Caroline edition of the 12 days of christmas thanks carol (laughs) and uh next time we will be back for you with even more holiday hijinks and medical merriment but for this week that's it our theme music is composed by rachel leisure as always we love your comments questions and feedback if you'd like to support us spiritually emotionally or financially you can find links to do that in the show notes along with any sources we used to research this week please leave us ratings and reviews. That's how other people find the show. And we get to share all of this wonderful trivia with even more folks. And until next time, as always, happy travels and happy holidays. Yeah. Enjoy. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.